Eternal Dirtles is a Hipsters of the Coast podcast sponsored by Paragon City Games and Bearded Dragon Games. You can support us at patreon.com slash eternal dirtles. And welcome to Eternal Dirtles. I'm your host, Zach Clark, and with me as always, Phil Blackman and Nathan Golia. What's up, guys? How's it going? Pretty good. Right now, you know uh, Nate, Nate is in the airport. Yeah, I'm at the Rochester airport. Nate is always uh, flying. Yeah. You're always flying this, everywhere. It's my 50th flight this year. It's the last one yeah, until New Year's Eve. Frequent, Literal frequent flyer. <laughs> I know. I, I, it's great in a way. But here's a here's a segue for you guys. Hmm. I'm in Rochester, which is near Syracuse, which is the next big legacy tournament, which will be in March. So this next time I'll be around in this area. But I'm gonna come back since my family's around here. Dude, it's um, awesome that your the the flights always coincide with you just being able to conveniently like jam these events. I well, I'm actually coming back. Purpose. <laughs> in this case, it is it is on purpose. I, I circled the date and I said, hey, I'm gonna go visit my family on this weekend and then go to Star City and told my wife already. So. But that's like the next big legacy event coming up, as far as we know, right? It's uh, yeah, not like I online. Believe, I believe you are correct. I think that's the biggest, uh, the, the the next like you know even even mid level event is going to be at at Syracuse. So I think people are already starting to brew for uh for for this event. That includes you, Phil. So tell us about oh, yeah. what you're working on. I've been still working on. I mean, there's a couple of different decks. Obviously, I've never given up on Mentor. Uh, so I've been brewing an Esper Mentor list because Cabal Therapy Mentor is still awesome. Uh, the card that I've actually been brewing a little bit with is uh, Thraben Inspector. Well, that's interesting. Okay. Oh, yeah, because you just like need the body for a Cabal Therapy flashback because the way the pattern uh, with the deck... I mean, it was the same thing with old Esper Mentor when you had Probe uh, Deathrite as well. But you would want to have a creature and a Cabal Therapy in the yard for when you cast your Mentor. That way you can just also free spell yourself and take out whatever's in their hand, make a monk. Yeah. Uh, if you were on three mana. So you just like have Guy, have Cabal Therapy, cast your Mentor on three, flashback Cabal Therapy, strip whatever's in their hand from the first time you saw it on the first pass of Cabal Therapy, and then you're good to go. And uh, you really just want like a one mana creature that gives you some kind of value uh, to be... Uh, Honest, there's not really that many in <laughs> um, Legacy that actually uh, do anything. Uh, there's not, like, like essentially, like, the one-mana creatures that you would play are all creatures that you would want to have stay on the table. Yeah, like... You know, it's not like a Baleful Strixian-type card where it's, like, you know, just subtle incremental value. The only one, really, that I found that was even remotely in the in that line of thought is Thraben Inspector. Yeah. Uh, my first thought was like, oh yeah, you could put like Curse Catcher, and I'm like, well, that kind of negates the ability of Curse Catcher, doesn't it? Yeah, like all the things like Grim Lava Mancer, uh, Delver, any of these cards, like you want them on the table. You don't want them. You don't want to sack them. Uh, and you're Did not you... doing, you know, cute things like uh, Elves or whatever, where you're getting a bunch of value out of your one drops, and then like, you know, you may not need the mana later. So Thraben Inspector kind of fits that bill. You have to torque your mana a little bit. Now you're really a three-color deck as opposed to what you used to be, which was a blue-black deck splashing white for Swords and Mentor. Uh, but I'm still brewing with that. That's on the table for what I might play in March. 
I have uh, one quick question before we go on the next numbers one. for the board. Just one quick uh, question before we go to the next one, Phil. What's up? Um, the more quick question before we move on to the next one, which yeah. is, did you consider something? I think it's called. Um, there's like a thing that's like a white black spell. It's like a hybrid spell from one of the last Ravnica sets where you like exile a card from a graveyard and then create a one one spirit as like a, as like a flying creature. So that would be a spell later if you needed it for mentor. Wait, say this like, It's um. I'm gonna look it up now, but I'm on my phone. So just take me a second. Yeah, that's it's, uh, uh, what is it? Hopeless or helpless? Uh something it's um oh this is bad radio sorry everybody it's gonna take a second though because i don't have a full-size keyboard create a one one <laughs> searching for oh, it oh, oh. Uh, you mean like like uh one of those like the the doom traveler type guys yeah well yeah but it's a spell hold on oh it's a spell i'm gonna find it just a sec. beckon apparition White black hybrid instant oh. exile target card from a graveyard. Put a one one white and black spirit creature token with flying onto the battlefield. So my theory here is that you can you can you can help it helps with your mana a little bit since it's white black hybrid and it's an instant and it's you know you'll probably have a card you can exile even if it's just your own fetch land. They can do it at the end of their first turn if you don't want to like expose yourself to wasteland or something and playing uh, like a tundra. And I was thinking, hunted yeah, that's interesting. There are times where, like, I could see you run into this scenario where uh, you don't get to, you you don't actually have a target for it on turn one, so you can't cast it. Yeah. Uh, but it did open, you just made me think, like, maybe, I haven't tried uh, Doom Traveler or anything. I get that it's underpowered, but, like, if you're sacking it for the value, it might well, be question, better than, because yeah. Raven Inspector, you get the card, but it is mana intensive, so it's possible that Doom Traveler is actually not too far off considering that. Yeah. You know. And with, with Beckon Apparition, it's a little bit of incidental graveyard hate that's turn one. Yeah. So it's like you can kill you can knock something out of a graveyard, which is good. And also um it's a spell if you draw it after the mentor's out. Yeah, it's so possible it's that not... there's like a split somewhere in there too. I've got to yeah. try it out. Yeah. Uh, I, I honestly didn't I never came across that card. That's super interesting though. I, I don't know that it's it's better than uh Doom Traveler, but there's also a card from Guilds uh called Hunted Witness, which is it creates a one one white soldier with lifelink when it dies. As a oh yeah, the lifelinker so, versus the flyer. Yeah, it's you know it's just another another option there. Yeah, I think I would think that the flyers, the flyer has to be better than a lifelinker, right? I would think so. I mean, it, there are going to obviously be situations where one's better than the other, but uh, yeah. I don't think the the one you know you don't you're not pumping your guys for the most part. You you might have equipment, but it's not like. I was thinking like the the, the, the idea is like you just have a thing where you can like trade off a, uh, a Strix or like, you know, block a Merit Lage if you need to off the flyer that I would think the flyer is better, but maybe a lifelinker for the aggro matchups. Um, I think it's possible. I think either would change like board considerations. Yeah. Even you know, if I had a lifelinker, I'd be more inclined to be like, oh, maybe I'll try Stoneforges in the board or something. Uh, well, Freeman Inspector is not a bad card. I'm just I, I suggested this card because it was a spell. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. No, I I agree. Which comes down think... after mentor, and the, the grave hate is not great, but it's better than nothing. And that's the thing that you have to think about. You know. Oh for sure. Yeah. yeah. I, I was also looking at um, what's that standard enchantment that was that top that won the ET? <laughs> I just saw that Legion's Landing. Yeah. Yeah. I thought I, I thought about Legion's Landing. Um. Yeah, there's some interesting cards in here that you could that you could take a look at, but uh, you get Lab Rats, which is from like Tempest. It's oh. got buyback four, but like you either make your rat make your rat on turn one or just you know make it, make a ton of rats and like grind a game. 
Oh wait, it's it's a black for a one run rat with buyback yeah. four. Yeah, buyback yeah. four. Yeah, yeah. yeah they're, I never like all this time I was looking at creatures. I didn't think about spells that make creatures. Which well, there is aren't a lot. Dumb of me. Well, there aren't a lot at one. There's Beckett Apparition. There's uh, Chatter of the Squirrel. There's Fungal Infection, which you know none of these are as none of these are as good as Freeman Inspector. Even I think that Freeman Inspector is a good card. Yeah, um, I've 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 liked it so far. The the when you're constricted on mana i mean the the list that i'm playing right now is only 19 lands so when you're constricted on mana that you don't really ever get to crack the glue yeah um, but it's nice for for grind but i could see just getting the immediate value out of something like doom traveler or something like that to be a little bit better it also um, blocks uh goblin lackey that isn't nothing in fact what i was thinking <laughs> like at least you won't you know you won't have the, there's there's corner cases right goblin lackey hit goblin I mean, a one two is actually like pretty big <laughs> yeah i mean it's gonna block yeah. a lot of stuff but it's not anything um, yeah so, right, so I, I like that list. Uh, I found that it's actually with Cabal Therapy and everything like that and a fast clock with Mentor. It's a very good ag uh, against um, combo. And I've actually found that uh, I've had more of a struggle against the creature matchups than I have against the combo matchups. So, uh, But I boarded heavily for the combo matchups thinking, obviously, I don't want to lose to combo. And then I, I've been learning that uh, you're actually very good against combo despite Thraben Inspector and need to board for the grindy uh, creature matchups. Raven Inspector's a clock on turn one. I mean, it's not nothing against I mean, combo. honestly, like, you just getting to go, like, uh, turn one, Raven Inspector, turn two, Cabal Therapy you, if you know what they're playing, and maybe snipe a card, and then flash it back, and then clear the way for whatever the follow-up is. You know, you just get to play fourth Raven Inspector, four Strix, and I get that that's, like, tough on your mana, but if they're wasting you, like, you're not really a mana-intensive deck to begin with. Like, you're only playing 19 land. I've been playing a couple of peak. And let me tell you, like, the old combo of... It, it, it's almost like playing peak now and realizing that peak Cabal Therapy is still good. That it's almost laughable that we had Probe Therapy for as long yeah. as we did. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's, like, insane to me. Because I'll just, like, end step. I'll go, like, turn one, fetch, go. They play whatever they play, like their turn one. I'll go peak and then Cabal Therapy and strip their hand. And then I'll go like turn two, Cabal Therapy you after I peak to you, Thraven Inspector, flash it back and like mind twist your hands. And yeah. I'm just like, this is just like ridiculous when we could just do this for free. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. So uh, shades of that. Uh, it reminds like putting it back together with peak. It makes me think of how all of these other decks that got banned, but then are still great, like Miracles. It's like, yeah, we'll ban top, but then those deck is still just awesome. Oh, we'll ban Deathrite, yeah. but then Grixis is still great. Yeah. I mean, I think that's how that's that that's how a good ban should work. It should just get rid of the problem card and not kill like seventy five other cards. Not kill the uh, deck. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, that deck has been great, and I will continue to report on it as I continue testing it. It's it's probably my front runner right now for March, but obviously there's a lot of time until then. Yeah. Because um, the yeah, other deck that I've been playing with is just really, really, really powerful. I just have to figure out the correct build of it. But if we want to chat about that. Yeah. Yeah. What is it? So I've been. Uh, I know we've talked about it before, but I'm still playing Lazavnot. Uh, I've been testing out versions of that. So I was playing a version where you would think. Uh, just like very low to the ground, forces, dazes, everything that you would think. It's pretty much a Delver deck, except instead you're playing Lazavnot. And yeah. I found that that was just worse than playing Delver. And so I was like, okay, maybe this isn't a Delver deck because you're not trying to like tempo them out. You're trying to just make your 12-12 and kill them. Uh, and so once I recognized that in, the, in, in deck building and how it should play out, that I wasn't a Delver deck, 
I moved over and took all of the good cards from Death Shadow. So your Death Shadows, your Thought Seizes. Um, and then just removed the Delver Tempo variants and the Dazes, the, uh, the like, uh, Wastelands and the Punishing, uh, the Taxing Counterspells, like Spell Pierce. Yeah. And took all the good uh, Death Shadow cards and just added in the Lazabnot package. And what's awesome is I got rid of uh, I get like a lot of people will think that when you play Death Shadow, that getting rid of your Street Wraiths is sacrilegious. But I found that Street Wraith was actually super underwhelming. Uh, and so I just got rid of all those cards that are like filler cards and just put in better like cards that do things. And so I'm currently at my packages for Lazav, for Death Shadow, for Dreadnought, for Baleful Strix. And then the suite of good uh, Death Shadow cards. Think Thought Seize, Stubborn Denial, which also works with your uh, Dreadnoughts, uh, yeah. all that stuff. But uh, and then you're still, and then instead you're playing Stifle because obviously you're playing Stifle not. But now you have Lazav that you get to clear the way with Thought Seize, and your big fatties of uh, Dreadnought and Death Shadow work alongside having Lazav, which is essentially copies of all those cards plus copies of your Stifle, since when uh, like your Stifles are just never dead. Because you can either stifle their land, or you can just turn uh, the stifle into a dreadnought. Yep. Um, but then you also still get things in the vein of how the Death Shadow decks would be playing Reanimate. Now, instead of just putting a three-four onto the table and taking eight and hoping that it's good enough, you just get to rebuy your combo and make more twelve twelves. Yeah. Uh, and so far, the deck has been very good. I have been getting a lot of advantage out of people not knowing what the deck is doing. So people are playing around days because they see Death Shadow. Uh, and so I've been getting some value where people are like mismatching their curves based on that. Do you have so, Shocklands still? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm still playing Shocklands as a way to like get my life total low enough for Death Shadow. But your main, your, your early game plan is to go like Thought Seize, Baleful Strix, like sort of bridge the gap or just make a fast Dreadnought. And then yeah. if they can deal with that, like if they have pushes or whatever, you just are very good at rebuilding your gigantic fatty. Yeah. And if you're playing against a deck like, you know, where you know that there are only certain types of removal that can remove either a really fat Death Shadow or a 12-12. So if you just are like pricing your uh, discard, your thought seizes and your counter magic to pick off the things that interact with your trampling 12-12 then yeah. it doesn't matter what they put in the way. Because like, it, even if they like stick a TNN, it, it's not going to matter, right? Because you still are just going to bash over for 11. So you do no, have you, like, the, the sweats of where you're balancing your life total versus what they're doing to uh, tax your death shadows. But you very rarely will lose races. And that's where I found that the deck is really powerful is I, I like the top decking power of the deck is very good because even if they deal with everything, you could just top a Lazav and turn it into another 12-12. Um, I've also now, had plays where I've gone Thought Seize, steal your play, turn to play a Lazav, set up my draw, untap, and then just cast my Dreadnought, let it die, and then turn in my Lazav into a 12-12 and bash for 12 smash, on three. Yeah, of course. Um, and then you have Strix to like bridge the gap, but then Strix is also another card that's good with like using the um, reanimate or unearth or whatever you choose to use, you know? So that was funny. Like, I, couldn't, I wasn't clear if you had reanimate or unearth, but yeah, that's good. No, oh, like yeah, that. like, you, you get all of, like, the actual good cards out of Death Shadow, and then you're just supplanting the tempo uh, stuff of Delver with the 
like just overwhelming power of the dreadnought package. So one thing I was, I was gonna say, like a lot of people are gonna say, abrupt decay, abrupt decay. The thing about abrupt decay, if you have a reanimate, is that even if they abrupt decay your Lazav, you've got more reanimates, and the dreadnought's just safely in your graveyard. So you can always like reanimate stifle works just as good as it casting the dreadnought stifle. Reanimate you know? stifle works just as well. Yeah, uh, having like having four Lazavs being part of your your combo is like very good, but also it's blue, so you can pitch it if you have multiples. Um, I have not yet ran into like death and taxes has just been way down. Like I haven't run into that many Caracuses. Uh, so Caracas is a problem against, uh, if yeah, with Lazav sure. cause they can keep bouncing it. Granted, you'll keep getting your surveils. So it's not like you get no value out of it. Um, do you play like Pith? You can play Pithing Needle. But you have to play Caracas. Pithing Needle. Right now I've been staying blue black. So you have to play Pithing Needle to deal with Merit Lage decks. Oh yeah. You got to so have you, you already want to be playing something like that anyway, and you can just bring those in against those decks where you're also powerful. But like the deck has had not, not had really any problems beating Swords to Plowshares. Um, you just get to maneuver around it. And also because of your creature suite, uh, Strix also lets you play around Edict against the Grixis decks. But then also Strix helps make up for... Uh, if you go down a card because you're putting the Dreadnought in the yard or you go Dreadnought Stifle and put yourself down a card, Belvo Strix helps keep you at parity. Yeah. Uh, Have you thought about, uh, you know, maybe in the board or, or main deck, uh, Topper Orb? So I haven't thought about Torpor Orb, and I'll tell you why. And by that, I mean I have thought about it, but I haven't done it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I haven't done it because it turns off, at, at least with the current build that I'm playing, it turns off both Lazav and Strix's ETB effects. Yeah. But also, it's a card where it actually doesn't do anything by itself. It doesn't. Yeah, it's very true. It doesn't do anything and, alone, that's for sure. The only, And, like, the only decks that it would actually do something to are, like, you know, the Stoneforge Mystic-style decks. But at the same time, like if you hit, if you like stop their Stoneforge from getting a, a an equipment, or you stop their Flicker Wisp or whatever from getting its effect. I mean, Snapcaster Mage get, is a card too. And Snapcaster, but yeah, I mean the Snapcaster decks like you're not bringing in Torpor Orb against them. No. Um, I just I feel like there are gonna be times depends. where like <laughs> you're already running some fringe cards a la Dreadnought, where if it's by itself, it doesn't do anything. Yeah. And that to compound that by playing something like Torpor Orb, which is also like expensive, like two mana, it's pricey. Uh, I just don't feel like it does enough, especially when the the decks where you would want, like if you're playing against Grixis and you're trying to beat against them, you have to like, you know, the uh, the same way that you're playing against the white decks and you have to like tax their swords to plowshares against the Grixis decks, you have to be mindful of K-Command because when Lazav turns into a Dreadnought, it also becomes an artifact. It takes on all of its qualities. Yeah. So you're you're trying to play around those things and Torborb kind of just runs into that card too. That's true. But Torpor Orb does help overload Kolagon's command as, at, at the same time because they're probably going to want to remove it. Otherwise, they have like seven cards in their deck that are just two ones and one ones. Yeah, I think like the idea of just making... I feel like Lazav just kind of shores up all those things because it just gives you a high enough density to turn your deck on at all times for the most part because your Lazav gets to double as additional Dreadnoughts plus it gets to double as... Essentially, now you get to play 12 Death Shadow Dreadnought Fatties. That all costs yeah. two or less. And then having multiple Lazavs is fine because he also helps you find those cards. Like, I'm just going to say, you haven't experienced what real Euphoria is until you've cast a turn two Lazav just because it was your, your turn two play and looked at the top card and it was a Dreadnought. <laughs> <laughs> I 
And you're like, all right, put this in the yard, free draw step. Yeah, getting then... to attack twice and killing your opponent is is obviously pretty pretty awesome. It doesn't happen as much. I mean, the, the, the format is obviously rife with removal, but like the, it's the redundancy that makes this deck good. It's the redundancy, and then the fact that uh, I've found that... I, I was playing Strix to bridge the gap because I moved away from Wasteland because you do... Like, the idea is that uh, at some points you will just want to have three mana so you can go uh, cast Dreadnought, play Lazav, and uh, uh, turn it into a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, the idea is, like, if, if Dreadnought's in your yard already, then you get to play Lazav and then pay one mana, turn it into a 12-12, so it's a three mana 12-12. Uh... And I found that by moving towards basics, so you can actually make sure that you get there, and then Strix also being a way to play... Uh, one, it keeps you at card parity, but then it also plays around Diabolic Edict, makes it so that the deck actually can beat through the things that can beat it. So it has a high enough density of fatties, and then it also has enough play around the things that get to interact with it. And then you also just get to free roll Thought Season Force. Yeah. So yeah. It, it, it reminds me of the the types of decks where... You know, like the the turbo depth deck, where it's just trying to clear away and then kill the the opponent. Except now you get Thoughtseize and Force Will. Yeah. So I'm talking I, a big game. I like the deck a lot. I just have to figure out the sideboard for it, uh, and what the like format will look like come three months from now. Uh, it's tough when you're like I'm playing, but I'm also playing against other people who are also brewing. So I don't really know what the format is. So like figuring out what your board plan should be. Um, I haven't splashed a third color yet. I've thought about moving into green for things like Abrupt Decay, Sylvan Library. But then also when you have Lazav, getting things like um, uh, Leovold is also uh, yeah. a, nice, a nice thing to copy. Yep. But I haven't gotten there yet. But when I do, I will let you guys know. Uh, I'm very high on the deck, though. I think, there's, I, I think it's like one of those decks where eventually it'll just become part of the format. Uh, as a way where, you know, there's infinite Delver variants, I think this yeah. is just going to be, like, another Death Shadow variant. Yeah, I'm kind of interested in giving it a shot now that you've talked about it a little bit, but, um, cool. It's just, like, you know, straight up, I'm on 18 land, and then, like, right now, mono four ofs with two reanimate, and it's awesome. That's the Death Shadow deck for sure. Yeah, it's it's been great. Like, you get to play just a ton of cantrips, you have basics, and you are... Uh, a pretty efficient deck so you like don't really worry about if they waste you when you're trying to like you know play your watery grave uh if anything that's kind of good for you because then they're giving you time to set up even more like i don't know right. the deck doesn't take much and there's a lot of like just one card combos that are very good like thought Seize is very good death shadow when it's on is very good and then dreadnought just being able to pick and choose the moments because then you also just incidentally get to have stifle you know, like Stifle isn't always just used to turn on your your Dreadnought. It also can be used to like, you know, all right, turn this thing into, turn this Lazav into a Dreadnought. All right, Caracas it back. All right, Stifle the trigger, untap, kill you, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point, too. You actually have Stifle for Caracas, which will, which will be interesting. There's like a lot of play to the deck. It's not just, like you pick and choose your spot. The thing is that you only need to pick and choose, you know, once, maybe twice. I kind of want to try it with Entomb and Deep Analysis. Entomb my Dreadnought. <laughs> but, you know. Yeah, dude, I know you're going you're gonna to go way deep on it. <laughs> <laughs> cool. I have... Well, uh, I, I'm not actually working on something right now, but uh, Roland posted that really interesting-looking rug deck 
that is not like uh you know the classic rug delver deck that i i'm very interested in checking out uh but i haven't played enough yet to to really talk about it too much yeah. that's a cool that's the the madness deck with Benjamin yeah the Venge vines and, and cool. uh, aquamibas and stuff so i i <laughs> Uh, w- once I get a chance to actually play it, thankfully, uh, Vengevines just got reprinted, so uh, th- the price on those is coming down, so I can actually grab some on the cheap to see if this deck is any good or not. If I recall correctly, it was spoiled right after I uh, bought them. <laughs> That's what happened to I mean, with me gonna, and uh, gonna... Voice of Resurgence. I-, I bought Voice of Resurgence at like 30 bucks a piece, and then they uh, reprinted them and at, at like rare. <laughs> I have a couple Mardu FAQs we could hit quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, a lot of people have reached out to me. I don't mean a lot, but like, you know, more than zero. Um, and I just wanted to respond to a couple of them on the podcast in case anyone else is also trying this deck. Uh, so thank you to, to reach for reaching out. Uh, Steve Hendrickson, um, he sent me a list that had uh, Nahiri as an additional Planeswalker type threat. Okay. Um, and I think it was more for just the raw card filtering and removal uh, more than like to Nahiri up the Scourge of Neltoff because he didn't have like an Emrakul or anything. Um, and I haven't tried it yet. He said he'd give it a shot. Most of the deck was the same otherwise. I mean, um, you can just throw then, in an Emrakul if you have a Nahiri, right? Yeah, well, it's got two <laughs> Nahiris, yeah. Um, but the thing is, like, shuffling your whole graveyard in is actually really bad with Bedlam Reveler. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, but she, you know, if you have an empty <laughs> hand, you can just Nahiri up your Bedlam Reveler too, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Getting a free uh, Ancestral. Hold uh, on, I got a about, question for you. Yeah. If this is your Mardu deck, I just want to know if you've looked at this card, if you've ever thought about it, because I'm interested. Okay. Mathis Fiendseeker. Okay, let me take a look at that on Scryfall. It's going to take me a second. Fiendseeker. Yeah, interesting. Fiendseeker. Uh, that's, that's the guy from the uh, vampire uh, thing, right? Oh Mathis yeah, is, I, I, he's from one of the expansion sets. Yeah, I think he's from he's one he's, of the commanders. I yeah, think. he's from the vampire commander deck. He's a three-three with menace. At the beginning of your end step, you put a bounty counter on target creature and opponent controls, and then when that creature dies, you draw a card and gain two life. Yeah. Here's the thing. It's fine. One of the, the hard thing. This deck is really black and red with a very very light white splash, like only for lingering souls and like wear tear. Um, and that's because Wasteland, in your deck like without Brainstorm, Wasteland is a real consideration, you know? Yeah. Um, you can't play, unfortunately, and this is like an interesting thing that we'll get to in a second when I get to Steven Hendrickson's other question or point that he was trying. Um, you know, you got to keep your land count low to compete with all the other decks that are cheating on mana so heavily. And that really means that you know, you got to be cognizant of Wasteland and the fact that your only real cantrip is Faithless Looting, unfortunately, until they print something else, which will probably never happen because it's too busted. Um, but, uh, but yeah, Mathis is an interesting card. It's just it's not really... There's so many things at three. Like, you just play Mentor. I remember when this, <laughs> card, when this card was printed and we, and we talked about it a little bit, and I think the, the final, like, call on this card was this should have been the colors that they printed. Uh, Leopold. Leopold, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. th- this should have been Leovold, and Leovold should have been this. Um, or just something that makes it more like, you know, it's just... It's just yeah. not eminently playable, is is the problem. I wouldn't... I mean, I'll play anything. If Death Road Chomp is still around, <laughs> this, card, this card would be playable and interesting, but unfortunately it's not. They're going to have too many times where your opponent's not going to have creatures anyway. This deck has no problems beating, like, a creature deck, too. And, yeah. like, you don't really need to let them have creatures in play. 
Um, because Steven's other question was, well, what about punishing fire? And I tested that at one point. I don't know if it was before or after the death rate shaman ban. The problem with punishing fire was that it didn't really make anything that was a bad matchup better. Um, you know, pretty much the grindy decks, this deck outgrinds all of them. Um, and like, you know, it doesn't do anything for you against like a merit lage. And the grove itself is a liability against uh, any wasteland deck. Um, so it's a cool, it's a cool idea and probably fine, but just not right now. But you know, he's going to try those things, and I hope. I mean, the Hiri it, it really intrigues me, and I did think about it, but it's the it's the fear of wasteland. But with wasteland so low, it might be possible to play those kinds of cards. So if you don't need to fest, fetch your white source until the actual turn you cast Nahiri. So, True. Um, which is what I do with Lingering Souls. I never really get the white. I only get the white sources out of my deck in two situations. One is like we're top decking and I'm just, you know, fetching anything out of my deck. Or I'm about to cast Lingering Souls. I very rarely get it earlier than that. <laughs> um, like I don't just get it in case I, even if I, because even if I draw Lingering Souls and I don't have a white, uh, white source in play, I still have so many ways to discard it that I don't really worry that I'm not going to be able to get it in my graveyard, you know? Yeah. Um, the other question, I got to switch uh, social networks here. Came in. Oops, sorry. Should have not been doing this on my phone. Came in from Christopher James. He asked um, what I thought about Scourge, uh, Scourge Neltoth versus the third creature options like Marquesa, Mentor, Angler, Arclight Phoenix, and we can throw Mathis in there as well. <laughs> I think we have we have actually seen you play every one of those. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all in this deck, but yes. Um, so I'm going to go through them all. But Marquesa is is good um, and fine, except you know it's getting the four and having the white mana in play. Um, again, it doesn't really help you in any matchup that you need help in. Um, it's it's a great card if it gets out of control, but it, you know it's not it, you don't need it that often. Uh, Mentor uh, is fine, but again, we're not that we don't want to be leaning that heavily on white mana. Uh, Angler competes too much with uh, Bedlam Reveler. You can basically play one or the other, but not both. Because um, I did think about it. You know, Tombstalker, all those kinds of things, but you know, Bedlam Reveler is the reason. This Bedlam Reveler is the big payoff for yeah. playing playing Fatal Saluting. Uh, Arclight Phoenix, obviously, we tested that extensively, and it was fine. But uh, again, it's the, the real issue is that none of these none of these suggestions that people have are bad. It's just that I don't think the deck really has any problems in like the grindy creature matchups. <laughs> all the problems I have are like when I sit down and like I haven't even like adjusted my like shirt, and then the game's over. Yeah, you your know? opponent's like, bolt! <laughs> oh, I'm done. Turn one, you know, main so, phase, bolt! I mean, so the, the cards that I'm that I'm going to be testing are like, I mean, I'm on like, I'm into like Ravenous Trap at this point, or something like that. Like, you know, I played, those get played in the survival decks and vintage, which I've been playing, like the different traps and stuff, but mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm almost to that. You know, just something that you can buy a turn with, because as long as you can untap on a few discard spells, you can usually beat that, but boy, it's so hard to beat the really fast things. So that's frequently asked questions about Mario. I haven't played it this week, but uh, I did want to address both the uh, players who messaged me because I really love hearing from people and I try to, you know, um, you know, respond and give you something thoughtful. And, uh, you know, honestly, like, if you like Nahiri or Punishing Fire or Marquesa or whatever it is, it's probably going to be fine. You'll probably have the exact same experience I'll have. You know, like, this is great. I can just destroy any deck that wants to play past turn three. 
Yeah. You know, but, uh, <laughs> but not, you know, when you play against the decks that don't, like, what did I lose to? Like, Belcher, you know, in that tournament the other day? Like, I lost to Belcher. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. What do you do? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't played Belcher in uh, against Belcher in, like, three years. Like, I haven't seen yeah. anyone actually play the deck in that, in that long. So, like, that's that's one of those things where, like, I always say you can't you can't sideboard for that sort of stuff, you know? Like, no. you can't, you just have to accept the fact that, like, occasionally a deck like that is going to get you if you're playing a deck like this and, you know, hope that you don't get matched yep. up. Um, before we go, did we want to touch a little bit on all these changes that happened to... Yeah. Um, so, so, you know, there was that post, uh, what, on Thursday night, uh, at 9.30 p.m., uh, during the Game Awards, uh, from, uh, from Watsi about, uh, the changes that Arena is sort of bringing to the Magic the Gathering scene as a whole, and I basically broke down that there were 17, like, actual points, so I'll, I'll go over those 17 points real fast, and we'll, and we'll circle back and talk about what's interesting here. Okay. Um, okay, so uh, $10 million prize pool for uh, uh, Paper and Esports. Uh, they're now focusing on sponsorships. Uh, 75K player contracts are going out to 32 different pros. Uh, $1 million invite at uh, PAX East. Um, that's an NV tournament. Uh, Mythic Envy is now the new Pro Tour. Uh, so that, that combines the name for the Paper and Digital series. So there's no more Pro Tour, as it were, but it will be called the Mythic Envy. Um, arena is the, uh, is now a path to the, uh, mythic envy, which is a thing like I, something I'd been, uh, kind of harping on wizards about, uh, that, that happened. Um, uh, what do we got? Uh, rankings on, will be online as well. So you'll be able to like qualify ver via your rank somehow. They haven't really explained that much. Uh, the pro tour is dead. Long live mythic champs. Uh, we are going to talk about, uh, uh, so, yeah, uh, so there were six Pro Tours scheduled this year. They cut two of them, and now they will be called Mythic Champs. So we lost uh, one in uh, the States and one abroad uh, got cut. Um, we have uh, Tabletop Mythic Champions will extend uh, the prize pool to last place. So they're uh, removing flight vouchers, and uh, prize pool gets all the way paid to last uh, last place. Um Partner events for sponsors are going to be uh, a thing now, so that's that's like a thing, just like regular esports. Nationals is gone, Worlds is gone, uh, the Team Series is gone, uh, Pro Tour is gone. Uh, that and uh, pro, sorry, Pro Club is gone, and that that sort of uh, turns itself into the thirty the seventy five k for the thirty two uh, pros above that I talked about, and uh, the uh, new Magic the Gathering Hall of Fame will will occur. So uh, whatever the heck that is. So, uh, what do we want to take from that chunk of things and talk about? I, I have just a quick reaction to it as a whole. Yeah. I mean, as someone who doesn't, you know, has never really gone pro at all or tried to, really, mm -hmm. my big question is, like, well, how does this affect Legacy? You know, how does this affect me going to my local game store and playing Legacy in paper? I think or, it affects us in zero ways. Well, except the fact that, that they move really far. It seems like they're moving pretty far in the farther in the arena direction than I ever would have anticipated this fast. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's got to be spooky to some of our friends uh, like Kevin and uh, Brian who run game stores. Yeah. I, I mean, I, that, that much I agree with. If, if, you're a, if you're a store that relies off uh, on people playing paper magic in your store, they have done some pretty dastardly stuff this year uh, to, to, paper, to paper stores. Uh, in terms of 
switching to uh, like basically removing a, a large discount for vendors. Uh, this doesn't help. Like any any time that people are focusing on digital, they're not focusing on stores, right? Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. For my for my druthers, uh, I don't. It, like I said, this doesn't affect me as much because I don't get to go to a store every week. Um, but the fact that I can play Arena from home and possibly qualify, um, and the, the Arena experience is still much is in my opinion much better uh, than the uh, than the MTGO experience. That said, you can play all the cards on MTGO, and I don't think that'll happen anytime soon on on Arena. So there there there's that. I would guarantee the heat death of the earth before Legacy is playable on Magic Gathering Arena. I I, I guess I, I guess that's fair. The heat death of just the earth, not the universe. So we're only going to have entropy on Earth. <laughs> I probably should have I should have Wikipedia heat death before making that joke. But. <laughs> It'll be the heat death of the universe, uh, which hey, they, is, which they is just slightly called, larger. <laughs> they just called my flight, so I'm okay, going to hop so, it off unless Phil has any rebuttal for me about my game store point. I was going to say I don't think Arena is ever going to have Legacy or. Like I just don't. Th- I think anybody who is cashing in on the fact that Moto prices tanked and just like bought a bunch of decks, I think you did it right. I think Moto is just going to be the place for the eternal formats, and maybe at some point when Arena is just making bajillions of dollars, they'll add modern. But zero percent, I think, will we ever see Legacy on Arena? I think that you're correct, Phil. I don't even think we'll see modern. Uh, so, yeah. so we'll say bye to bye to Nate. <laughs> All right, bye guys. Have a good Later weekend, on, Nate. Bye, Nate. Let me tell you something, brother. If you're digging this podcast, you got to go over to patreon.com slash eternal turtles and become a patron right now. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, to continue to continue this uh, topic of conversation, I don't think we'll ever see modern on there as well either. Uh, they, they did say something about some sort of like standard plus format, like arena uh, format that, that they'll eventually move into. And I think that will become sort of the new modern. So I think what, what will happen is over time, we'll see something a little more akin to like frontier starting like with whatever, uh, you know, what, what, uh, uh, Ixalan, you know, I think frontier starting at Ixalan is like kind of what we'll, we'll be getting as far as an eternal format on, on arena. Yeah. It just like the amount of time that it would take to backtrack and add all of the cards that are available in modern just seems like such a time dump. Yeah, but, I mean, I mean, like they pulled it, it, it off in a year for for standard, and then just killed like Amiket and uh, Kaladesh for no, for, like you know, for no other reason than to be like, ah, we've gotten rid of these. So like they they solved one problem with that, which is that you didn't have to worry about rotation as a player when they restarted the system. But yeah, those cards are programmed in, in there, so like that might be a thing too. They could possibly be going back further. It didn't seem like it took that long to do this. Um, you know, a year for for like two or three years worth of sets is not that bad. No, I, it, it's also one of those things where they still have to figure out their dusting system and like this whole yeah, scenario with the chest yeah. and like extra cards. Like they have so many things that they need that they're getting feedback on that they have to figure out past, yeah. uh, like past right now before they start adding in new formats, right? Like they have problems that they still need to work out. So they're going to take the time to do that. Like if we do see modern, it's not going to be for a long time. So I think honestly, like if you're, if you would like playing the eternal formats, I would actually just buy in further on moto. This is like a buy low, sell high time to me. Yeah, I I agree. I think buying in on moto as the prices drop is, is smart just because that's where the, that's where legacy is going to happen as far as playing is concerned. Um, and 
there's no obviously there's no better time to get into the format uh, digitally than right now. Um, that said, I do have a couple reactions to to that announcement, um, and, and and some of that stuff we just covered. Uh, the fact that the economy on Arena is pretty terrible, uh, and that's if you base that off of like Hearthstone, where like Hearthstone is like a thirty card deck, and for the most part it's two ofs, your Mythics are one ofs, and that really like kind of helps you, uh, you know, the fact that the most expensive cards in in the system are one ofs really helps you uh, create uh, like it. it it keeps a threshold for for like how much a deck costs on on mm -hmm. the system um you know uh whereas like with with magic obviously four cards uh and and oftentimes the most expensive cards in the deck are are the mo the most uh, plentiful cards in the deck are the mythics you know uh i think i did i did the math once uh and it was uh the last like two pro tours ago something like uh 16 to to 20 mythics per deck and mm. uh and, and something like uh about that same amount in rares so that that makes it pretty hard to be competitive uh on on a, uh arena if you're going to want to build more than one deck and and i think a, a smart competitive player is going to build want to build more more than one deck that is over 300 dollars per deck uh if you're just cracking packs yeah and yeah that's uh, especially uh, like the only time that that doesn't happen is if you see a deck like um like the mono blue deck or whatever, where it's like you have a couple of rares and then you're just piecing together, you know, smaller, like, like bad cards essentially to like build a deck. Yeah. And but, that's fine. That's like, I don't, I don't hate, I don't hate like those kind of decks are great, but like we, you know, we should focus on the fact that it, it either takes like two months to build one deck, which is half the lifespan of any, of any deck in standard. Like generally yeah, they, that's they true. change. Yeah. It's like everything just rotates like right? super quickly. Not, not that it even rotates. It's just like that deck is normally not viable in two months. Like you. you oh know, yeah. That's what I mean. I mean like the meta game is constantly shifting that yeah. it's like, yeah, you, you spend all this time trying to build a deck or if you even just want to experiment and like try new decks out or like see if something could be viable. Yeah. That's just, like won't get that option. So without dusting at all, that's a real problem without trading at all. That's a real problem. I'm not saying that there should be one or the other trading or dusting. It, something has to give you can't just like either you have to give out way more gold cards or uh sorry uh wild cards yep. or you, you have there has to be a stopgap here it's too expensive to play to play arena right now as it is uh th that's that is a a fact coming from me as an opinion uh so it's not on mac yet which is sort of problematic because it's 2018 uh and people own Macs. uh i i bought a pc just for it and and that luckily is what we're doing uh with this is we're able to do the podcast off this but there is no way i would have bought a, a pc uh if, if i didn't have some other use for it yeah the other downside about arena right now that i've noticed is that man does it spew your battery oh yeah it's I, like I, tough to like you know if you're like if you're if you're like nate and you're traveling like i, I there's no way that you get like you can't just bring your laptop on the on the plane and hope that you're going to get you know a full flight's worth of time to play Moto, uh, not Moto, uh, Arena. Yeah. Um. So like also speaking of speaking of that, there's no mobile uh, app for it, which uh, like kind of that was what was promised with Arena. Is like it'll be uh, it'll be available mobily. You can play it like you could play Hearthstone. So they really that's like so so important. Uh, I think that, that like that's I I fully agree that that's super important. They need to have that. I think the the where the world is with that though is they have to just figure out all of the other kinks yeah. first. And then once they deploy it, because obviously like mobile is going to be way bigger than on PC, right? There's just going to be yeah. more mobile players than there's oh, going to be sure. 
desktop players. So you have to figure out those kinks. Like you can't like essentially have like an unfinished product go to mobile. Yeah. Oh, of course. Um, so I, I think, uh, the, uh, so my fourth like gripe, and then I'll talk about the good stuff. My yeah. fourth gripe is, so, uh, Willie Nelson had a, had, had a quote about like, if you're good one time, that's like one time in a row. And so far standards got one year in a row of not being completely ruined by some random card. Um, that's not, that's not so much a problem as long as they take care of that problem in the form of we're going to ban this card. You know, they just need to be faster about banning cards. That's fine. Where Hearthstone beats them at this is that they don't even have to ban cards and remove them from the format. They can nerf cards. They could take cards and be like, well, this is still going to be playable, but not as ridiculous as it was before. And yeah. th that has worked very well in Hearthstone. Unfortunately, unless you want to errata cards, like fast errata cards on paper, it's not going to work. So they've done this a few times, like with the card Waylay, um, where where Waylay doesn't work the way it says on the card. And and you know we've been to legacy tournaments before, and and the first thing people say, the judges tell you in legacy tournaments is like, if you have a question, call a judge. Some cards on legacy don't actually do what the card on, the card says, you know. Um, so I I think that is a possibility, but I doubt we're gonna see that. What what I what I'm saying with all this is play design is going to have to get a lot more streamlined and a lot better at making sure that they're not screwing up the format by printing something like a smuggler's copter or an Emrakul, uh the promised end you know cards like that when we had that year where it was like six things were banned in standard that was yeah, I, not they, a good scene the one thing too is that i don't know if it was just a matter of like they had already designed a bunch of cards but during that time where they kept printing busted cards they all fell into the same trap it was all colorless cards that are just generically like better than everything else yeah but it meant so every deck could play it. I mean, look at you. So you had Smuggler's Copter, you had Walking Ballista, Hangerback Walker, Mutavault, yep. and then they went right from that into um, what was the four-four vehicle, Heart of Kieran. Yep. And then that, like Mardu Vehicles, was just an annoyance for a while. You know, I mean, Gideon was in that format too, but you know, you had a two-man a four-four that just beat in the air. It's like, guys, you're making the same mistake, and that's printing these cards that every single deck can play that are just better than everything else. Like, just stop falling into that trap. Uh, I'm not on the sure... Bright side, they don't have to go back to a, a artifact uh, format for a while, right? They've got a couple of years before you have to worry about artifacts. Yeah. I, it's, I, I really do wonder if the fact that this current environment is very good is actually just the first result of the, um, the play design team. Yeah, I, I mean, or, I, think, I think that's part of it, for sure. And they just recognize they're like, guys, you can't keep printing smuggler copters cards. I get you want to like push the boundaries and like sell packs, but you also have to consider, you know. Well, when I had that uh, interview with Chris Cox, the first thing he said is, is that we don't plan on doing safe design as much, uh, you know, to, to, uh, to paraphrase him. He said that there will probably be more bannings as time goes on because we're trying to push the envelope a little bit, which I don't hate. Like, honestly, like, print more cards that, like that that will see their way into other formats. I appreciate that. But mm -hmm. what I don't appreciate is them not taking action once there's a problem, you know? If it takes two months for them to decide that, like, this card that's... That they're going to get so much more uh, data and feedback off of Arena than they're going to get off of Moto, any of those other things, because it's so much... It's eminently more playable. You're going to see... More people in the long run playing arena than you will than you would have on Moto for for so many different reasons. Um, once it's up to like Mac and mobile, right? Um, yeah, one hundred percent. So like arena arena is like inevitably going to be way more popular yeah. than Moto ever was, and it's not going to be close. Like so, that's 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 the easiest conclusion yeah. we can come to. So so with that, the fact that they're getting so much more uh, uh, data. 
they're going to be able to look at that data pretty quickly and be like, oh, this is the card that like 50% of the time when it's played, people win games. We got to deal with this card, right? So when they do that, they need to do it fast. Um, and, and that and that can come in a couple of different ways. Bans we know are a thing. Uh, nerfs are a thing. You know, they, they've got to come up with ways to, to make people not feel terrible. And I think that doing a ban and offering a wild card for every card that you have that's banned is like the smartest way to do that. It would have to be what you, what you would just do the correlation of you know if a rare gets banned you get a wild you get a rare wild card for yeah. each one. Yeah, that seems fine. I think I think that's as fair as you can get it without like being like, well, sorry, your whole deck got banned. Here's seventy five wild cards. You know, like yeah, that, that would actually make sense, especially since um well the thing is the the tough thing about that though is let's say they banned a card and that made it so a deck is no longer yeah that's playable. what I'm saying like that I think the best the best like balance of that idea that you can do is is literally just give a free card away because although yeah you did build like an entire deck is gone now like they can't give you 75 cards to, no, like, no no free yeah cards so i think that, i mean like they've never done they've only done this once and it was during urza saga when so much stuff was banned you could mail your urza saga's banned cards back and get a free pack yeah that was crazy that but that that's that, was, that was the thing that they actually did at one point so I think uh, that, that uh, a simpler time. Yeah, I think that going back to that uh, response, though, I'm sorry we banned this card. Uh, if you go to you know the game code thing and you trade in your, uh, you know all your banned cards, you'll get a wild card that is equivalent to that, um, and that will be viable in any format that something gets banned. So if it's later on like the Arena Frontier thing, something gets banned, you can trade in your standard cards that got banned from that set, and you would still get you know cards. I think I would go one step further and say go to this page or whatever and you can essentially you can get the wild cards but instead of getting an equivalency you get to choose what kind of wild card you want yeah i think that's i fine think that too. would be fine especially since like once the wild card like once cards are in this in circulation it's not like moto where there's an economy every mythic costs the same yeah you know it's like you're spending the same your resources are the same regardless of the card that you want whether it's a teferi or you know a bulk mythic yep so in that regard, I think it wouldn't cost them anything to just give you variety since if you, you know, uh, if, w w is there, is there an example right now where if a, if a car got banned, an entire deck goes, I don't play enough standard to, to know that right now I'm going yeah. to be playing more standard as time goes on. Cause I have arena. And if I can get to the pro tour on arena by sitting on my butt at home, I'm going to try. Yeah. Um, so let's, let's, let's switch over to the good stuff. All right. So coverage has to get better, right? Coverage does have to get better. If you're going to spend $10,000, $10 million dollars on players, you need to make it watchable. So here's what I want to know. How much weight do you put on coverage being better being production value versus being commentary? I think I think you have to increase both by a lot. I Obviously think, you do, but which one do you which one do you think has more weight? Do you I think do you the think, visuals are going to be way more important. Even even with Arena. Yeah, even with Arena. I think you can get you can you can uh, increase the value on your uh, the value on your uh, commentary team re relatively easily. Um, you're gonna have to actually spend money to make the to make the visuals better, and that that comes down to uh, some logistics stuff, but it also comes down to just like hiring designers to like make make stuff look better. Um, and and also like I mean look at like any any tournament for hearthstone like go back and just watch any tournament for hearthstone the yeah. fact that like you get to see both players faces like this is what they're trying to do is build this like narrative of pro players right and i honestly like half the time i run into a pro player at, at a tournament i'm just like eh, 
whatever. I don't know this guy. I don't know anything yeah. about him. I just know that he's a pro player. Moving on, right? But like, well, the other they need you want to know the other thing. I think celebrities is what they're trying to do. I think if they do that, you want to know what else they need to to invest in though. Hmm. They need to invest in like costuming and makeup people. I don't think that's a terrible idea. I mean, and I get that sounds weird, but when you say, yeah, I walk by somebody and I see a pro, if they're in, you know, sweatpants and a shirt that doesn't fit them versus like, and then they go up and like, you know, and then they're surrounded by all of these cool effects. Like it's going to be, it's going to tamper it down. You know, like yeah, yeah. if somebody, if somebody's in, you know, just their generic hoodie. That's where sponsoring they, comes in, Phil. Look at, look no, at like a Hearthstone tournament. Like, like when, when the, the like people come out for Tempo Storm and stuff, they're wearing like sports jerseys, you know, like yeah, that, and that, I, that stuff, that stuff is real. And I think that, uh, that is the next move for a lot of, for a lot of these sponsors is like being like, okay, we're going to get you in the, like, you know, the Under Armour, like, you know, Tempo Storm shirt or like, you know, uh, Channel Fireball, like, you know, they need to, they need to make this look like an esport, whereas like. They haven't been before, and they've been very relaxed about like what you can do to show. You know, Magic players as as sponsored players have had it very relaxed for a very long time, and I think that if they want to uh, make that seventy five k for free, basically, they're gonna have to put on a funny shirt every now and again. You know, I think that stuff that stuff's uh, is important to the brand of the game. Like you know, like I, showing th- people I, that's that. That's where I, I almost I say that I don't think that those things are. I don't think they're funny shirts. I think it those types of things give legitimacy. Yeah, exactly. No, I agree. But but I think what, what a lot of pushback is always like ah uniform. You know, like I get that we're like a, a sort of alternative culture, but like when it comes down to like getting seventy five grand to like literally just play magic on on the internet, like. You know, come on, guys. Like, you, you're going to have to do that. I get that John Finkel might not want to do that. He makes more than that in a year. You know, like, I, I get that there are several Magic players that are, like, the best of the best that, uh, you know, also have real jobs. They're like, I'm not going to be your song and dance, uh, you know, uh, your your uh, organ grinder monkey for this stuff. That's fine. They, we don't but need those guys. I, I think if you have that player that's like, look, I don't want to be sponsored. I'm not interested. Then that that becomes their character. Sure. And that's I mean, fine. yeah, you, you can, can do that. Like you can do that wrestling heel like, move. You know, yeah. against the system, refuses to conform, and is like, I'm, you know, going to do it on my own. And I mean, I think that we should still and gross. I think right? that we should still that make that person have, have to go through, uh, you know, makeup and hair and everything, and and then you know, you you turn that person into like the guy with the bandana, uh, you exactly, know, the, yeah. the, the 1990s style magic player. You know, like it's still part of the thing, but like he gets to have a persona based on that. I think it's totally fine to have to build to build characters, especially now that you're going to have uh, your you since you're now giving these people full time salaries where they don't they can just focus fully on that. I think they can actually work on developing what kind of character they want to be. Yeah. And I I think like if if you're the overexpressive character, there should be a director on hand to say, hey, dude, like if you feel that way, you got to like go go over the top with it, because at the very least, like. At a certain point, learning to also be a showman when you're on the on the grand scale, that's only going to also appeal to sponsors. Yeah, right? of course. I mean, look at uh, this is this is like a pitch for us to both be hired by by the the staff at this point, right? Uh, but but seriously, look, you know, like then then do they need pyrotechnics budgets and do they need a, do they, does every player need a song? I think you can get away from pyro, you can get away from pyrotechnics as long as you have a good lighting designer. Right? Sure, 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 sure. And then you, as long as you, as long as your, your stuff is a light show, I think, I think it's fine. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if anything, like 
your lighting design and your your set design should be a huge deal based on the world building that you've done, right? Like all that money that they spent on that, um, what was it, like a PAX Prime or a Comic-Con or whatever, where they had the Ulamog arms sticking out and destroying a cop car? Yeah. They built that and attached it to a building and it cost them like 50K or whatever? Yeah. I, who, who, like it costs an exorbitant amount of money for that one event to like build that entire thing and then actually stage it. Right. Yeah. That should be the set for every single major event. I agree. I think that, I think that sort of stuff is super fun and it didn't really have a place before. And if they're going to make like, they can make these events so much bigger than they are, you know? And there's also no, like the, the, the excuse of we don't have the budget is no longer it's real gone. life because yeah, they just gone. upped the ante to 10 million. Um, okay. So, so, so we, we've, we're both obviously in favor of the, of the making it more watchable. I think there's no I one think out there that making that it more watchable. I also think that the, the them moving into a like really 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 heavy into arena. I, I think anybody whose take is oh no this is bad for Magic or oh no they're moving away from Moto this is bad for everybody. I, I I think those takes are garbage. I think the fact that they're putting this kind of money behind going into the esports world, which is going to like, if you don't think that in the future that esports are going to be broadcast and get the same kind of money that professional sports do right now you you are just living in a reality that doesn't exist like we will be watching esports the way that we watch sports and the kind of money that is in current sports like nfl nba all that stuff will be in esports too and the fact that magic is not it refuses to get left behind on that boat is wonderful 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 Especially if, we're, if we plan on continue playing, because once they get that kind of like once they're getting that kind of sponsor money and that like kind of big paydays, they could absolutely support the older formats. Quick right? hot take, then we'll move on here. Uh, you can't get a concussion playing Magic: The Gathering. Not uh, yet. I guess I think it depends <laughs> on how hard you face smash the keyboard after a True. bad beat. True. Um, so uh, another bonus of this on the good stuff. Uh, I don't have to spend money uh, on hotels and gas to qualify. You know, like I don't have to rent a car. With like five people and drive down and like sleep sleep overnight to to go to a qualifier. Yep, that's fine. I I like that. I I also do some of my best some of my best times and you know we 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 traveled to Beer Dragon at one time with Paul and got lost in a uh, parking lot. You know, uh, th- those are fun times. You know, so I it, it it's it's more convenient to do it this way. I think it's more fun to travel. Yeah, there there's benefits to to obviously you get the experiences of when you travel with your friends and do all that stuff, but you can still do that. Right. Yeah, Of course. Like, I mean, we're still going to go to SCG events. Yeah. Like paper <laughs> magic isn't going anywhere. Like anybody who's worried about that, stop worrying about it. Paper magic is going to be here forever. Some of your cards at wholesale, here. please. For, Forsyth himself, <laughs> even though he won't respond to our emails has said oh, multiple times that like paper magic's never going away. Um, one of the other things that they, if, when they do all this stuff for coverage, they, they just need, well, or I guess two things. First off, they should really, really invest in good. Uh, um, I, I don't know what the position would be called, but it's essentially like your, your digital guys, yeah. the, the the people who can cut together old clips and replay them during. Uh, yeah, it's video like, editors. Oh, the last yeah. time PV faced, or or the last time Finkel fa- faced Kibler, uh, it was the uh, famous the... no block scene. Yeah, yeah, of and course. You should you should just be able to have somebody in the TV truck that is going, Hey, let's cut to this thing that we, that we brought up and show the replay, show the reaction, and then use that to build your narrative for the event. Yeah, of course. And if anybody who's, you know, anybody who's doing coverage, like I get, we all loved the moment when, um, uh, I, I, I forget his name, but he, it was the the guy who bonfired. 
<laughs> in the finals, or not the finals, the semifinals, in the mono red mirror and the pro tour. And he atta- he tried to attack with a hazard because he got excited and then punted. You know what I'm talking about? I, I vaguely know what you're talking about. So it was the it was the it was the the, the semifinals. He's playing against PV. They're playing a mono red mirror with Hazaret. He has the win. He draws the win. But he gets excited when he draws the win and goes to it. He moves to combat. But now he has two cards in his hand, so he can't attack with the Hazaret. Uh, so he punts it away, and then PV like you know justice is served. Top decks the burn back to kill him. Yeah. So PV goes to win win that PT, and it was because his opponent in that uh, semifinal match punted. Yeah. Now they should have that like on replay at all times, whenever PV or uh, that player, I, I'm sorry, I forget his name, but whenever that player is back on camera, like that should be an auto include attached to those players forever. Yeah. But the oh, yeah, other for sure. about that is after they did that, uh, Rich Hagen did the, he, he cut to, he, he called an audible and cut to the camera and he was like, Hey guys, like, you know, magic is tough. We should all support each other. Uh, you know, we, sh- we, we all make mistakes and it's okay. You have to learn from him and do all this stuff. And he essentially had like a heart to heart with the audience. Yeah. That's all well and good. You can have those things, but I think that will actually be detrimental to coverage. Yeah. I mean, you've got to play into that stuff. And unfortunately we, we live, we, we are in a, an era. Uh, I mean, so it's, it's, it's good and bad that we're in an I, era I, of feelings. Let, let, let me follow but, up. Like, yeah. I don't think it's bad that Rich Hagen was a good person. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah. I think it's bad that he decided to downplay that moment as it happens all the time, as opposed to saying, no, get a, 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 somebody down on the floor immediately to interview him yeah, and get the initial reaction for how bad it feels to punt in the semifinals of a pro tour. If right? this was if like, this was a football event, there would be someone in that guy's face immediately. Immediately. Asking, asking like, him about like, the play of that like, game. Cut out the cutesy, like, we're all we're all here for each other, happiness, nonsense. Like, I get it. That's that, I, Phil, would want that. Like we all want to support each other. We want a community that's inclusive. We want a community that's there for each other. And we have that and we will have that. But when they move into the esports realm, you got to make good TV. Yeah. That's, and that's good the equivalent TV of the guy that lives under me yelling. Of punting on the biggest stage possible, right? Yeah. That's the equivalent of the guy that lives under underneath of me yelling uh, every like Sunday whenever his team plays. Occasionally you just hear, you got to catch that. You exactly. Know, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, you, and then you immediately interview the dude that dropped the ball. Yeah, of totally. course. And um, then if, the, the last thing, last thing. If hmm. you are one of the directors of, you know, whenever they're broadcasting the esports, you got to talk to your biggest players, like the pros that are making their yearly salary or whatever, and they're just mm-hmm. always going to be on camera. You know, the pros that we see now, the famous guys. Yeah, yeah, of course. Talk to them and tell them, hey, guys, we are going to, like, before each match, we're going to create the narrative that this is your good guy and this is the bad guy. We're going to create a narrative and it can be based on like what decks they're playing. It can be based on the fact that like one guy is always portrayed as the bad guy. It, it, whatever you want to do. Yeah. But the same way that it's like, oh no, the like the the the, the busted combo deck, everybody's rooting for the 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 player trying to stop the busted stuff from happening is the, is the good guy and it, will he overcome, you know, w- w- will she dominate the combo deck? Will she will she be able to do it? Like you got to build that story and yeah, you've got to paint somebody as the bad person and paint the other as the good person and just drive that all the way through for the entire tournament. Think like, have you uh, ever Reed watched Duke like one episode of like Yu-Gi-Oh? Like, <laughs> yes, that's like, that's like when, basically when, what, the, what you're talking about, right? Like, when, when they follow Reed at, 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 like, at the legacy right. GP every yeah. round, they just portrayed him as, can he overcome the, 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 these circumstances of always being on camera and then going and doing coverage, can he be the hero and win the day? Yeah. Right. And you need that 
every single round and you should be painting every single player as that because then if if you and I can't remember a player, right? But then we can go, oh, you know, the 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 one that like tried to do this horrible thing mid-game where like they 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 attacked with their like whatever and were like bad-mouthing their opponent or you know whether they were or weren't. Like it doesn't matter. Like we'll remember those stories. We'll remember that more than we're going to remember, sure. you know, this happens to everybody guys, don't worry about it. So, I'm monologuing now because I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I mean, that's, I'm hyped so, on it, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I think, I think going that route will be, will be smart and will be fun and it will like make, again, make it more watchable. Um, so the third thing, uh, this is the third good thing. This is actually a really smart time for, um, for Watsi to do this. Um, because I, most of you don't listen to my, uh, Hearthstone podcast, which I'm, I, I'm on a bit of a hiatus from that anyhow. But one of the last things that uh, I talked about on my Hearthstone podcast was this announcement they dropped that basically said we're going to move away from uh, creating a tournament on the uh, on on the program. It's been a big part of the of the community for a while. It's like them talking about we're going to make it so that there is a tournament option on the thing, and now we're going away from that. And so that's taken a lot of the competitive uh, players that wanted to play Hearthstone like more competitively uh, that were kind of in the my my level. We're like you're kind of in the middle thinking about doing that, and, and it's moved them back to back to Magic and Magic. Uh, so Hearthstone's always sort of been a suture for my Magic addiction, um, and now that they're sort of dropping the ball on the competitive scene, this is a very smart time for Arena to to jump in and be like, hey guys, guess what? We have tournaments, you know? Like, it's it's very it's very well placed, I think. I also think it would be interesting too if, um, now that they have Arena, look. I wouldn't be surprised if they actually tried to move into making like we were talking about how they're going to make like other formats that aren't necessarily modern, but like the the new, you know, version of the non-rotating format or what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they could branch into stuff that we t- kind of talked about, about like cool, like what if formats like uh, just doing standard. But what if you're the the uh, cap per card is three of a kind instead of four. Yeah, yeah, they've got stuff like that. They've got, like, Singleton. They, they have all these, like, weird things that they're doing now where, like, a player gets to name, like, oh, no instance anymore, you know? Like, uh, they're doing that with some of their top streamers. Uh, I'm not a super huge fan of the, the formats that have been introduced because they're boring. Um, but, yeah. you know, uh, this game design 101. They'll figure out something that, that makes that makes more sense. And and I like I like the idea of doing doing stuff like that. I think it would be interesting instead to instead of just having a world champion, you give, you uh, it, it kind of like, um, you know, you have weight classes. Yeah. It's like, this person is the champion of this format. And it's like, if they can move, and then if they move in and play at, so you, like you have different tournaments and you have different champions. And then if somebody can essentially like unify championships. Yeah. Because that's also good for story, right? Like if you have, you know, this play, the, the current standard champion is currently playing in this, you know, other format for the thing. Can they unite titles, essentially, right? Yeah. Because that, and I, not because I just think that would be cool, but that's also fun story, right? It's, it's a free story that people can get invested in. Yeah, no, I, I think that, I, I mean, there's so many, there's so many possibilities for, for, uh, you know, just making, making coverage interesting based off of, uh, what, what Arena has to offer. And all of this stuff, like these ideas that we've thrown out, these are all things that can make coverage exciting. Aside with like, once you have the production value and doing all that stuff, just by building those stories and creating those narratives, it's free. Those stories and narratives are free, and you can run them back. Yeah. Um. So, uh, with 
our final like kind of thing for the day, I wanted to yeah. talk about uh, our new Patreons. Patron. Oh yeah, talk about our new Patreons. Uh, so so thank you, Matt. Matt Hackbert went up to uh, went up to ten. Uh, looking for that T-shirt. Uh, I'll I'll note that. Uh, we got uh, Victor Bernhardes. Uh, and he is, uh, supporting us as well at 10. Uh, we got a new, uh, new supporter, uh, Tristan Mayshark and, uh, Steve Long went up to, uh, went up to five. He just got his t-shirt. He, I just sent his t-shirt out. So, uh, I, I, I know I mentioned this last week, but, uh, if you sign on for our $10 pledge for two months, I send you a t-shirt afterwards, you can bring down your pledge to, to whatever. Um, but, uh, also if we see you, uh, with a t-shirt on coverage, uh, we're gonna hook you up with something too. So that's like you know something something we've just been kind of messing around with. Uh, and... Yeah, guys, let's let's all be wearing our eternal dirtle shirts <laughs> at these major events. Yeah, I mean, I, I I get that we're not a sponsor, you know, anything like that. But you know, it 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 it, it makes us it makes us uh you know we we feel very loved when when that sort of stuff happens. Uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about uh real, real fast is um you know I'm gonna put up a poll. I I don't know. Uh, and, and if anyone has any suggestions, we just hit our hundred dollar mark finally, uh, which is pretty cool. Um, and I think I'm going to make our next one, uh, like a $500 mark. And what do you guys want to see from us when we hit that, when we hit that mark, you know, like we, we haven't really, we never planned to get, to get this far. So, uh, I think, you know, when, when our Patreon is making fi- 500 a month, we should, we should, you know, add some value. And, yeah, uh, yeah, we should definitely like essentially like the poll asking what the the new tiers should be. Yeah, I, and I'd like to know from any, anybody, you know, uh, e- email email us or you know reply. You know, figure out a way to get in touch with us. Uh, of course, the we're gonna t- ask the Patreon the patrons as well. Um, you know, what do you guys want to see at us at our next tier? Uh, yeah, we're all know. on Twitter. You can find us on Twitter. We'll put our our uh, handles in the show notes. Yeah. So uh, that, that's that's our big question this time around. And uh, yeah, and like I said, thank you everyone who's supporting us via Patreon. That, that really helps. Uh, it's it's definitely increased the uh, production level of the podcast for sure. Uh, and and it just you know it just makes this uh, uh, that much easier to do. So thanks so yeah, much. It's made it so that even when Nate is about to hop on a plane, he's gotta he's gotta get on the call. Yeah, we're all we all feel very obligated to to make sure we get some content out to you. So that I think. I think at the very least it does that for us, and that, and that's a good thing. Uh, Word. I think I think that's it for this week, uh, Phil. Yeah, I, I I hope to bring you guys some updates on those two decks that I was working on, and let you know if the if uh, the format is still ripe for creativity. Yeah. All right. I'll see everybody next week. Bye. Have a good one, everybody. get those wonderful toys. Eternal Dirtles is supported by Audible.com. If you'd like a free audiobook and start up a trial with Audible, you can go to audibletrial.com slash eternal dirtles and they'll hook you up with a free book and you'll be supporting the show. Thanks so much.